A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. If you listened already this morning, we're going through position by position. The 2022 Supercoach Team Picker is live now, so you can see all the prices and the players and their positions and whatnot if you are a subscriber, which I am. So I'm going through each and every position, going through all of the players, talking about guys that stand out to me, guys that look like value, focusing on draft, but also going to mention um, how much they're worth in Classic and if there is some value there, because there's a number of guys that do stand out. Now this morning, we went through the hookers and the front row forwards. We combined those two. So obviously in a draft team, you pick one hooker, you pick two front row forwards. Uh, classic team, very similar, except you also need to pick a bench hooker and two front row forwards on the pine as well. So I'll be focusing on draft, but talking about classic as well, as I said. But second row forwards, obviously in a classic team, you need to pick three starters and three guys on your bench. So that's six guys all together. So you need to pick more second rowers than you do. Uh, Sorry, the same amount of second rowers as you do hookers and front rowers combined. So the second rowers will be a podcast on their own. In deep draft comps, which I'm sure most of you are in, you need to pick three second rowers. And which means that because you need so many on the field, you realistically need to pick at least four. Uh, Sometimes you even need to pick five realistically. It's great to have dual position guys in there as well. Second row slash something else dual position is fantastic to have. I always make sure I've got one in my side. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. That is where we're going to start with the second rowers. I am going to start with the two RFs that are dual position. Now, a lot of these guys I have already spoken about. There's obviously a heap that are dual position, second row forward, front row forward. So I've already touched on some of these guys earlier this morning. Go and have 
have a listen to that podcast, I will assume in listening to this one, you will go and listen there. Some of them, it's a fantastic bonus if you can put them in your 2RFs. Some of them also are hooker slash 2RFs. So we spoke about them earlier this morning as well. So a couple are going to overlap. We'll mention those briefly. Won't go into as much detail. Let's start with the dual position guys. Get them out of the way. Isaiah Papali, we mentioned him this morning. I'm not overly keen. I think it's overs on all fronts. Brandon Smith, hooker slash 2RF. Now, if you can get Brandon Smith and you can play him at 2RF because you're able to get yourself another hooker, a huge advantage. The other thing you do is you take that position off the board for someone else. You make it hard for them. The same goes for off the top of my head, uh, Cameron McInnes, Connor Watson. There's probably one or two others that are in hooker, but there will be more dual position that are front row forward in this one. Some of the other guys, obviously Luke Thompson, Tavita Pangai Jr. I think Tavita Pangai Jr. is a really, really interesting one. A lot of upside there. A bit of a gamble. I understand that. As I said this morning, if he lands outside Matty Burden, massive value. He always goes pretty early in draft competitions. This could be the earliest he goes, to be honest with you, even though he's going to Canterbury. I think there's a lot of upside here. And if he's on the left side, if you see in trials that he's playing outside Matty Burton, I think he's a get-on. I love the look of that. Josh Schuster, he is dual position, second row forward, slash 5'8", which is massive. Absolutely massive. I believe last year he was only at 5'8", so he was a little bit awkward. But to have a second row forward that you can chuck into 5'8", and if you manage to find yourself a 5'8", on draft day or on the waiver wire, to be able to move Josh Schuster into your second row, that is massive. He's a guy that averaged 60 points in his debut season. Could potentially get better. So much upside, it's not even funny, Joshy Schuster, in a good footy side. So I love him. He is very high up on my list. Connor Watson, we mentioned him. Alex Twole, another guy that's dual position, definitely helps. My general rule on draft day is that someone, if someone is dual position and they're a forward, I normally add about five points to their average and then I compare the pair. So, for example, in Alex Twole, he's averaging 57. Because he's got the dual position, I can move him around and it can ease pressure in two different positions. I say he's probably a 62, 63 point average because that sort of stuff matters, especially in deep draft leagues. Dual position guys matter. I always try and start a draft season with three to four at least dual position guys. It just makes your life so much easier, gives you so many more options. Jack Bird, he is 2RF slash CTW, which is massive. If we do see him jump into 13 or play in the second row this year, absolutely gold. Now, obviously with a guy like Jack Bird, if he's playing in the forward pack, you play him at CTW. You do not want to have to use him in the second row in your super coach team. You want to have someone else there and you can plug Jack Bird, who should get you 50 every week without any real attacking upside. You should be able to plug him into your CTWs and that is a set and forget for the entire season draft-wise. Classic-wise, not a heap of value in these guys so far. Big Tino, he's dual position, obviously with huge upside, works hard. Ewan Aitken, this is another one we need to touch on. Now, he is CTW slash 2RF. Once again, if you can get Ewan Aitken, he's a guy that is priced at 55 points. Now, he averaged around the 80 mark when he was playing second row for the Warriors. So for me, I think he is a must-have for every single classic player in their CTWs. Draft, he is going to go really early. So you need to be careful how early you do go, you and Aiken, because... They have still got a number of good forwards there. Aiken was fantastic, but I'm not sure if I'm completely convinced he plays there for the rest of his career. I hope he does. I think it's where he belongs. The other thing with Aiken you need to remember is that as soon as there's an injury in the outside backs, they probably shift him out, and that obviously hurts his base stats a lot. He's still a great CTW even when he's playing CTW, but he's a guy that if you can draft you on Aiken, you put him in your CTW. Yes, you can play him in the second row if you need to, but good God, you should be able to find a heap of second rows before you find CTW, so you'll want to have him out there. 
Joey Tapanay, uh, Josh McGuire. Not super keen on either of these guys, to be honest with you. Probably higher on Tapanay than I am Josh McGuire, but... I'm going to let someone else take Tapanay this year, to be perfectly honest with you. Dual position definitely helps. If you can get value there, sure, but there's just a lot of smoke down there with Ricky Stewart and whatnot. Uh, Tyrone Peachy is CTW slash 2RF. For me, I think he plays 13 at the Tigers, but I really have no idea. I'm not expecting the Tigers to set the world alight. I think Tyrone Peachy will be moved around a lot this year. They've got a lot of guys who can jump in and play 13 and do a good job there as well. So Tyrone Peachy, he's an avoid for me this year. I've always been a big fan of the Peach. Love him as a footballer. Supercoach-wise, though, he's coming with a 52-point average from last season. I probably don't see him going that high, especially when you consider he played a bit of 5-8 the back end of last year, with help, which helped his cause. So, Peachy, he's a miss from me on all fronts. Nelson, we don't know what on earth is going to be happening with him. Jai Arrow, we spoke about him. Not sure without Wayne if he lands in that second row spot. I don't know. I, I think it's a win, but if he's not on the left-hand side, I don't know. If he's on the right-hand side, I mean, you don't know who the halfback's going to be. You would assume they go heavily to their left. So I liked Arrow. I won't be going early on him. Who else stands out here? Blake Laurie, Corey Horsbro. We spoke about all these guys. Jazz Tavega is another one that's 2RF slash hooker. I'm not going anywhere near him this year. There will be five or six games this year where he'll base stat his way to 70. But I don't think he'll do it consistently. I don't think he'll have the opportunity to do it consistently. So I'm riding off Jazz to Vega. Really interesting one here, Dylan Walker. He gets CTW slash 2RF because he played a little bit at 13 last year. Really interesting. I'm not sure where Dylan Walker fits into this team. I still think he will come off the bench. He still averaged 44 last year, which was a good knock. He's a decent guy that you can put into your CTWs and he can come in and play through the middle. It's always a risk, though, that I'm not overly keen on. Ruben Cotter, this is one you need to watch. Hooker slash 2RF. Absolutely love this guy. I think he is a star. We read through some of his base stats earlier this morning on the other podcast when it came to hookers, and I think he's a fantastic guy if you can get him. Play him at nine if need be, but if you can play him in the second row and then pick up someone else to play hooker, this would be unreal. If you were able to get yourself a Reuben Cotter and like a Cam McInnes or a Brandon Smith or a Connor Watson, and you had the flexibility to play either of them at hooker and plug the other one into the second row, if one of them gets injured, suspended, whatever it might be, it's not really a nightmare at hooker because you've got two of these guys it's a huge advantage to have. Bo Furmore, he's playing 2RF slash CTW in Supercoach. Really good value there, 379K. He was really impressive last year. Not sure if he's going to be able to lock down a spot in the Titans starting team, but he was great last year. One to consider. Uh, Marata Niakore. Now, of course, he's going to the New Zealand Warriors. His, his emblem is still the Eels. I'm sure he's going to the Warriors next year. Uh, if he ends up in the second row, he's another guy that you can play at CTW and Supercoach now because he, he he stepped in for Wonga Blake a, a couple of times last season. was really impressive. So another one to keep an eye on. Uh, Kepi dual position. Cheekam to RF CTW. He's been there for a while. I don't think he's going to have a spot in this South Sydney team, realistically, so not too keen on him. Hetherington, okay, Isaac Tago, this is one to definitely keep an eye on, 2RF slash CTW, I've got a feeling he will find his way into the starting team for the Penrith Panthers somewhere, whether it's at back row, whether it's in maybe in the centres, I'm not sure, but I think he'll be there somewhere and he will be a huge value guy, I think he will be one of the first CTWs picked in Classic as well, coming in at 287k, one to keep an eye on, Jackson Topine, another 2RF slash hooker, we've spoken about him, 
Ray Stone, another 2RF hooker. I don't think he'll be overly relevant. relevant. Don't think he'll get enough opportunity this year with him leaving and whatnot. Ben Travojevic, CTW slash 2RF, of course, played, what did he play last year? Three or four games with a season average of nine. If he gets a spot in this team, he will explode. I think he'll come off the bench a couple of times realistically, but I can't see him ever playing probably more than 50 minutes unless there's a huge injury toll or maybe during origin. But even then, I don't think they're going to lose enough guys manly to bring him in realistically. So Ben Trevojevic, bit of a cock tease. Might be a good guy to have in your team on your bench. But in saying that, I still think he could probably play nine or ten games on the bench for the Manly Seagulls, which could prove to be an absolute AA nightmare. So maybe wait on him. I sort of feel like he's going to be a bit of a trap all year for people to get sucked into the name there. Bronson Garlic, he's the last one on this list. Hooker slash 2RF. Uh, I think he's a long way away from playing. I really do like Bronson Garlic. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his debut for the Melbourne Storm coming off the bench at some point. But don't think he'll play enough games to be relevant. Now, they are our dual position guys out of the way. So I'll go through everyone else on this list. David Fafita, he is at the top of the heap. 745K. You would have to think that most super coaches will start with David Fafita. I am a little bit worried because uh, he has young halves and whatnot. It's all going to be a bit of a different system. But if he just takes it upon himself to in, to take him bring himself into the game, could be anything. We're also hearing that he played last season with a heap of uh, pain-killing needles. So if he is fresh and ready to go for season 2022 without carrying those injuries, could be anything. So I think David Fafita, he has to be at the top of your priority list as far as draft goes. I think he's probably a round one pick. And classic goes, I think you just have to have him because when he goes big, you just miss out too much. And there's enough shit teams in this competition for him to go big. The Titans, they will probably be chasing points in 2022, let's be honest here. So I'm sure he will have an impact. Angus Crichton at 2RF, he is coming in at 653K with a 74-point average. I actually think this is good value. I think Angus Crichton is a guy that I will have. With the Roosters getting their troop back, with Luke Keary returning on that edge as well with Angus Crichton, I think he's in for a huge season. I wouldn't be shocked. If he's the top second rower of the year, he I tipped him to be the top two RF last year. He finished on 74.5. Uh, Dave Fafita beat him by 10 points. When you consider that Dave Fafita scored a try just about every game on average, uh, not really a huge gap there. And you consider the team that Angus Crichton was playing in, how many guys were missing, etc., etc. Cam Murray comes in at 614K of a 70-point average last year. I do worry with Cam Murray. Wayne Bennett is leaving. Wayne Bennett tends to get the very best out of forwards. Cam Murray is not your average bear as far as forwards go, though. I think he's the best forward in the game. Depends how he's utilized. Depends where he plays, whether it's 13, second row. Personally, I think he has to be at 13. Depends on his minutes, too. Uh, probably not a guy that I will start with uh, in Classic, and probably a guy I'll leave in draft as well. Just a bit too much mystery around him. Tohu Harris returning from injury at 601k. Really good value there with a 68 average last year. Uh, I, I love Tohu Harris. I think he's got a lot to offer. Champion player. Uh, an absolute workhorse as well. Warriors probably going to play a little bit better footy next year, which might help hurt his base stats, but you might see him pick up some more attacking stats. Tohu. So always a fan of him. Not sure if I'll have him to start or whatever, but at some point I feel like Tohu Harris will come into the footy side. Uh, 601k. That probably is a little bit unders realistically. You might be getting a bit of value there. I haven't checked the exact numbers. The next one is Josh Curran, another New Zealand Warriors player. Uh, 2RF, just 2RF, obviously burst onto the scene last year. Now, the thing to consider with Josh Curran, 66 average, 
but his price is 586k, which is pretty cheap when you consider how well he played last year. He spent a lot of games coming off the bench. He had a lot of injury-affected games as well. So you're getting really good value for this guy. I think he's a guy that most guys should be sort of starting with. I really liked him throughout the year. Uh, had a couple of injury-affected games and whatnot. Sometimes the base goes missing, but the attacking upside is unreal. I'm a big fan of him, so I potentially could be a little bit biased. But just having a look at the games where he started in the second row and played you know, more than 60 minutes. The scores are ridiculous. 77, 55, 66, 57, 64. Um, yeah, really impressive. In saying that, some of those games he scored a try and got 57 points. So maybe I'm getting a little bit overhyped on Josh Curran. What I will say, if he ends up in the second row on the right-hand side and he's playing outside Sean Johnson... That changes everything. And this is a guy that if you're going to get Sean Johnson in draft, I'd probably look at pairing him up with Josh Curran so, so you can double up on those points on that edge. The next guy is Tyson Rizal from the Newcastle Knights. I'm leaving him. I'm leaving a lot of Knights players this year. I just don't trust Newcastle without Mitchell Pearce. And I want second rowers who I honestly believe every week can score a try. Tyson Rizal is a freak, but without Pearce out there at Newcastle, it could just be a nightmare. Ryan Madison, he's sort of fallen out of favor a little bit over there at the Parramatta Eagles. 569k. Thing that fills me with confidence here is that Isaiah Papali'i will be leaving the back end of the season. Sean Lane, very inconsistent. Good opportunity for Maddo to really stand up here and cement himself in this team once again. A guy that I've got really good value for over the last few years. A guy I probably won't go for in draft because I think he'll have to go pretty easy. Attacking upside, we know what Maddo is capable of. So, a guy that you should be looking at. Josh Jackson, we're not really sure what position he plays next year. With John Asiata, gone uh, sort of fills me with a little bit more confidence that he might be 13 again which is probably where you want him Uh, obviously when he's playing on the edge there's the opportunity for him to score tries but I don't think he's as destructive on the edge as what he used to be I think you want him at 13 you just want him to tackle his ass off he's averaging 60 in base stats last year played 80 minutes probably the majority of the time I would say at worst 65 minutes so not very often are you going to be let down by this guy Uh, he scores over 60 points 53 percent of the time but I mean his lowest score here is 46 so if he's not getting over 60 he's not really falling below 55 each or so either so solid but the attacking stats are not really there uh, evading stats he averaged two a game creative stats he averaged three a game scoring he averaged one a game didn't score a single try last year so Josh Jackson yes the base stats are there the base stats are great but outside of that you're not really getting much in the modern game I probably want a little bit more out of my back rowers Mitch Barnett this is a guy you can get a little bit more out of depends where he plays I probably think he'll be at 13 for the Newcastle Knights if he lands on that left edge this is the one exception for me but net if he's goal kicking but you would have to assume Kalen Ponga takes that or Jakey Clifford. Uh, and the only other thing for Newcastle, if you're on the left edge for Newcastle where KP plays his best footy, definitely you go up in my books a little bit, but I'm really not sure how much splendid footy they're going to get on the left edge. So if Barnett ends up there in trials, worth considering. But if Lachlan Fitzgibbon ends up there, another guy I would consider as well. Luciano Leilu is the next guy. I've been a big fan of him for a number of years. Finished with a 61-point average last year. You could tell Madge was going a little bit hot and cold on him the back end of the season. He's now leaving. Joey Leilu has come out and had another temper tantrum aimed at Madge. 
I don't like the optics here. I think I went Leilua around four, around five last year, looking for a bit of upside. I will be leaving him this year. He's not one I'm interested in personally. Too much going on. I had him in draft uh, in classic as well. We'll be leaving him once again. Cam McInnes, we spoke about him already. Hadawira Nida, really interesting. He's just 2RF. I think he was CTW last year, and I think he's gone back to 2RF. I, I, I could be wrong on that, though. But a guy that a lot of people were very keen on has a huge attacking upside. So you probably are getting a bit of value here because from memory, he played a fair whack of games coming off the bench last year, played limited minutes. Yeah, in the last, what, two games he played, he didn't play over 40 minutes. So you're getting a little bit of a discount there. He's had a couple of big games. When he scores a try, he scored 71, uh, 56, 79, 88. He had 124 games. I think he scored two tries there. So there is upside in Huddleware and Naira, but it's a bit hard to work out what on earth Ricky Stewart's doing and whether he likes him, whether he doesn't. I, I don't quite know. So he's another guy that I think he'll be very popular on draft day, but I think I'll let him go. Hudson Young, one of his Canberra Raiders teammates. I'm a big fan of Hudson Young. Always has been, as you guys know. Once again, so many mouths to feed in this Canberra Raiders side. I don't know where Hudson lands. I would find a spot for him in my team, but I don't know what Ricky's going to do. You look at his run home last year. He scored one try, but he played 80 minutes in all five games on the run home, and he averaged like 67, 65 points. So definitely some upside. He has a heap of base. In 80 minutes, he will get about 50 points base. That's what you can generally expect from this guy. I just don't know if he's going to have a spot all year. So many mouths to feed. So many good, young, talented guys down there in Canberra. Personally, I would have him in my Canberra Raiders team, but I don't know what Ricky's going to do. Scares me a little bit. If you get any idea during trials that he's going to be locked in there, good signs. Uh, Keon Kulamantangi averaged 60 points, which is incredibly impressive, considering that his 5'8", Cody Walker, doesn't really use him. Now, he collected a lot of points whenever he played with Benji Marshall next to him, who tends to use his second rower a lot more. When it was Cody Walker, you didn't see as much ball from him. Now, is that something they're going to change? Is that something in the coaching that they could change, potentially? Or is it just Cody Walker? We're not really sure. But this guy, he averaged 47 base points throughout the season. He, I think he's a lock to play 80 minutes on that left edge for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Even games where he played lesser minutes in the run home, he played 64 minutes against Newcastle, scored 54 points. 66 minutes against the Cowboys, scored 50 points. 52 minutes against the Parramatta Eels and scored 63. 70 points against Gold Coast, scored 63. So even with the downside of him playing less minutes, he is still going to score well, Kulam and Tungy. And you've got the upside that potentially they change their game up a little bit, change their shape a little bit and maybe use him. So could be a bit of a gamble, a guy that you need to watch how South Sydney are playing, how Demetrio is coaching this team and what their shape looks like in the trials. Viliami Kikau, another guy I'm leaving. It's just too hot and cold for me. He's a brilliant player. He is fantastic, but... I just don't have confidence in him week to week. I had him a couple of years ago, and it really is just a massive headache. He's in a sensation. He's on a sensational edge for the Penrith Panthers. Capewell has left. Not that Capewell was an issue for him, but maybe it pushes him to play more minutes. I don't know, because he tended to sub for the vast majority of last year. I think from the last eight games, he played 80 minutes once. He played over 70 minutes twice in the last eight games. So I'm just not confident on this guy, and at any minute... He can have a bit of a flopperella game where he goes for under 40 points. He's done it a fair whack of times. At the same time, he can score two tries in 10 minutes and score 130. That's the sort of play you're getting. You'd probably have to look at the Penrith Panthers draw uh, before you make a decision on him. I don't have it in front of me right now. 
Connor Watson, we've touched on him. Olukawatu from the Manly Seagulls burst on the scene last year for them was very, very impressive. Uh, tough. If you got him last year, it's going to be hard to draft him again this year because you would have got just about the best value in rugby league last year. Very, very tough to do it this year. Uh, it's not going to be as good, but, geez, his run home was just incredible. Uh, he averaged 77 points on his run home, uh, 77, 80, 74 last year. Scored his fair whack of tries. I think in the last, what is it, 10 games, it looks like he scored six or seven tries. So playing outside DCE is a brilliant spot to be in. Uh, you have got Andrew Davey returning from injury this year, but I think Olakawatu will hold him out. So I think he'll be an 80-minute second rower. I just don't know where you draft this guy, to be honest with you. It is coming off a career-high season too, so as much as I think he's a gun, there is always a bit of a worry around that sort of stuff. Nathan Brown from the Paramount Eels, you know what you're going to get. Hopefully he doesn't get injured. He'll he'll get you 55 to 60 points every week with occasional attacking upside and an offload or a line break assist or whatever it is. Isaiah Yo, very similar. You know you're going to get 55 to 60 out of him every week. Who haven't we spoken about? Jake Trevojevic, very similar. Probably lost a bit of his upside. You're looking at a 55-second rower there with a bit of attacking upside when he links up with his brother. Um, but I wouldn't... I, I don't think he has the attacking upside that we thought he did a couple of years ago. It's more playing that link man role and just the subtle ball playing, which quite often Supercoach doesn't reward as they should. Really interesting one here. Jason Taumalolo, 485,000. Now with Taumalolo, he played less minutes in a number of games last year. He had a number of injuries. Season couldn't have gone much worse for him. Team was going like a busted. His numbers have gone down every single year. Not only his numbers, but his amount of games played as well, his points per minute. It has all been going down the last few years. You look at his average minutes last year, he played 59 minutes. Um, I just... I don't know. I don't know how he's going to be used. If he's used as a front rower, I prefer it rugby league-wise, but you'd probably rather him at 13 uh, when he is in your super coach team. It's a tough one. I don't know. I feel like they're going to play Reuben Cotter at 13, which means that... Uh, he will play in the front row, which means he'll probably play 50 to 60 minutes around that mark, depending on the day and whatnot. If he if he ends up on, on, on the edge somewhere for the North Queensland Cowboys, you know that's a no-go. That just never fucking works out for us. So hopefully he's in the middle, but you really want to have an idea of his minutes. For me, the camp up in North Queensland doesn't look happy. I'll be avoiding this one. Britton Nakora for the Cronulla Sharks. Now, the Cronulla Sharks and how their second row lineup is going to be really tough this year. Could go a number of ways. I'll probably be avoiding these guys between Britton Nakora, Sifatalakai, Wade Graham. Wade Graham's locked into one spot, but then on the other edge, you've got Nakora, you've got Sifa, you've got Tyg Wilton. I'll touch on the, these guys soon, but I just don't know how this is going to line up. The other thing as well, this right edge back row spot, you're now losing Sean Johnson. So for me, it's a bit of a no-go. I'll just be avoiding this one. I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know who's going to be feeding them the balls. What I do know is whoever is feeding that second rower is not Sean Johnson, so that really hurts their cause. So I'll be avoiding that right-edge Cronulla Sharks player altogether. One guy I am very keen on in Classic and in Draft. Not sure about Classic, actually, but Draft I'm really keen on. Satili Tupanua getting this full team back. I think he's going to have a bit of a breakout season for the Sydney Roosters. Very, very excited for him heading into next season. Uh, He's a guy that I, I think I'll be going reasonably early on to be honest with you. I think he's got big attacking upside, can score points. I think the Roosters are going to absolutely brain it next year. The next man is Jack DeBellin, 54-point average. Bit of a weird season for DeBellin. First one back. Uh, yes, he had a preseason. He's been training with the boys the whole time, but I think a preseason 
when he knows he'll be playing is going to be very different to what we saw last year. Probably getting a slightly reduced price here because it took him a couple of weeks to find his feet. First two weeks, he scored 30, 43. Uh, outside of that, had a pretty good season in the back end. Played 80 minutes uh, in the last game of the season against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Scored 76 base stats. So, Jack DeBellin, when given big minutes... He will brain it, but you just need to rely on him getting those big minutes. He played 76 minutes against the Canberra Raiders as well for 63 base stats. Got a bit of attacking upside with his ball playing as far, uh, even though sort of the stats from last year don't show it. I think he'll be better for the run. He's a guy that I am reasonably high on, Jack Tabellon. I just think he's so important to his team that he needs to stay on the field. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, we spoke about him. If he lands on that left edge for the Newcastle Knights, stocks are a little bit higher than your average bear there. Adam Elliott for the Canberra Raiders coming in at 479k. Coming off just the season from hell as far... Probably the two seasons from hell. Injury, into the Michael Leacher thing, into the restaurant thing. It's just been a bit of a shit storm for him. I really like him. I think he's got attacking... Sorry, I really like him as a footballer. Uh, I think he's got real attacking upside that we probably haven't seen enough of at Canterbury. I think at Canterbury could really improve. Just to remind you what he did at the start of the season... His points went 74, 65, 79, 44, 70, 61... The guy can play, yeah. The guy has a lot to offer. He has an attacking upside to him. His base stats are great. He averaged 46 base stats. Uh, in the last three games of the year when he was playing 80 minutes for the Canterbury Bulldogs, his base stats read 49, 49, 50. So he's very consistent as far as that sort of stuff goes. If he can score a try or have a try assist, you guarantee, or just get an Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. attacking stat, you're looking at a 70-point score here, Adam Elliott. I think he's going to improve at the Canberra Raiders. I think he could be part of uh, of a mini little turnaround there, to be honest with you. So Adam Elliott, he's another one that I'm very keen on in draft competitions. Classic, not too sure, 479k, sort of in that mid to... Yeah, so, so, sort of that mid-range sort of guy, but draft, I'm very keen on him. Josh McGuire, I'm giving a miss. Felice Cafusi, He's good. He's in a good spot. He's outside Jerome Hughes. He's going to score tries here and there. But, you know, there's not a heap of upside there. You know, if he doesn't score a try, uh, you're probably looking at a 40-point score, which isn't bad. But I think you can find a heap of those guys on the waiver wire realistically. He's also going to the Dolphins. I don't think he's the sort of guy that Craig Bellamy takes minutes off or anything. But... Yeah, I mean, you have a look at his last four games of the season last year, or five games. He went 51, 37, 53, 34, 45 in a team absolutely killing it who played the Canberra Raiders, the Gold Coast Titans, the Parramatta Eels, none of the, and the Newcastle Knights. None of the real heavyweights of this competition. Uh, so, yeah, not much upside there. There's games where he scored... Like, he only scored three tries last year, so if you're relying on him scoring tries, you probably can't anymore, realistically. He's not quite that guy. But he's always been like this. He's always been a 45 to 55 just about every single week. It's not great. It's not terrible. But you can probably get a similar guy on a waiver wire if you just play smart footy there. So, Felice Cafusi, I'll be leaving him. Don't get sucked into the Melbourne Storm oh, attacking upside. He scored three tries last year. It is what it is. Elliot Whitehead, very similar. 
Uh, I think people associate him with attacking upside. You don't see enough of it for me. Sean Lane, similar. Don't trust he's going to hold his spot. Tariq Sims, reportedly unwanted by the Dragons, even though he's their best fucking player. Um, yeah, I, I'll be leaving Tariq Sims. Same sort of guy as Felice Cafusi. Solid player to have. We'll score a try every few weeks, but you don't want to be relying on him to score a try to do well. Pat Carrigan, this is an interest, interesting one. He'll be returning from injury, obviously coming back from an ACL injury. You could get some decent little value here. Just getting his numbers up here, how he went. So he played 80 minutes in round one with a base with 69 base stats. Pretty bloody impressive. Uh, played 62 minutes in round three with 56 base stats. If he can get 60 minutes, you're looking okay. If you can guarantee me he gets 60 minutes, that means he's probably going to score at least 60 points with potentially some attacking upside. He averaged 49 base stats last year off 55 minutes. So if you can lift that up to 60 minutes a game, get your 55 base out of there, he'll get 60 points a game. I don't mind that. A lot of people off Paddy Carrigan. I think he could get some value here, but he's probably not going to be a superstar from round one. You probably are going to have to be a little bit patient as he's coming back from an ACL injury. A lot goes into that. They tend to start a little bit slower. So if you're happy to be a little bit patient, I think he could be a really good little get there for your side. Let's have a look. Who else have we got? Jordan Ricky uh, from the Broncos. I'm not sure if he lands this spot 100% on the right edge. I would hope so, but I could see him chopping and changing throughout the season. Victor Radley is just 2RF. He has lost uh, his hooker dual position, so that hurts him a little bit. Hurts him a lot, to be honest with you. That was my favorite thing about Radley. Still a great super coach player, but you risk a lot of suspensions. When he's playing with James Tedesco, he's sensational. His base stats are pretty good. 40 base stats this year, playing an average of 62 minutes. So not bad, but it's the attacking upside that you love in Victor Radley, especially when he links up with Teddy. Could be anything. He has still got low games in him, though. Uh, just having a look, some some games here, 43, 31, 41, uh, 8 when he got Sinbin there, 21 in 58 minutes. So he can have these low games. So you need to accept when you're going in to Radley that he can have these games. He can get himself pretty low scores if he doesn't have the attacking upside. If he gets locked into an 80 or 70-minute game, you're guaranteed to get at least 50 points with probably some upside, which I love about Rads, but it's always a gamble. I'll probably be leaving him this year, as even though he's one of my favorite players in this competition. Kirk Capewell going to the Broncos. Eh, not overly keen on it. Uh, you'd have to assume that he locks in one of these edge spots, whether it's left or right. I don't know. Uh, he will hold a spot, but I'm not overly keen on him. Guy I am keen on that will replace Kirk Capewell. The Panthers is Liam Martin. He comes in at 428K, so pretty good value there for Liam Martin. For me, he probably starts on the right edge uh, for the Penrith Panthers. That is outside Nathan Cleary. That is some of the best real estate in rugby league. When he started on the edge, he scores pretty well. Uh, scores in the back end of last season were 53, 45, 52, 60, 48. So not unbelievable, but he didn't really have many attacking stats. He didn't score any tries in that time, which I can guarantee you he will next year. So Liam Martin, I'm pretty high on him, to be honest with you. The base stats, they are solid for 40-odd a game. Uh, and I, I think he's just going to go from strength to strength. You've got to remember as well that as much as Liam Martin didn't play huge minutes in State of Origin, I think that whole series took a little bit out of his tank realistically. So the back end of last season when he was starting in the second row, I did feel for him a little bit. I think he'll be much better for a fresh start, a preseason. He's got a premiership under his belt. He's got Origin games under his belt. I think he will improve. He's sort of in that uh, Satili Tupanua and Adam Elliott category that I sort of like heading into next season. Kenny Bromwich, exactly the same as Felice Cafusi. Don't get sucked into, oh, he's going to score Cam Munster points. He 
tends not to. Uh, when he does, it's great. But good God, it is hard to rely on. You also don't know what Munster's going to look like this year. So Kenny Bromwich, he's a solid player. If you get him late, you haven't done too bad. But he's not a guy that I go really early on or that I am super keen on. You look at some of his scores from the year, 40, 43, 40, 27, 32, 43, um, 41, 40. This is in the best team in the competition that won fucking 1,000 games in a row and he had Cam Munster inside him. He had Justin Olam inside him. He had Fox outside him. He had all the superstars around him and he finished with a season average of 49. Couldn't even crack 50. Scored a handful of tries. If that, three tries all season, not good enough for me to be drafting. I will be letting him go to someone else. Next two guys, Tyg Will and Jack Williams, two guys that fit into this right side absolute clusterfuck with the Cronulla Sharks working out who's going to play on that spot. I'm just going to leave it. Jaden Sewer going to the going to the uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons, an interesting one. Undervalued uh, at the South Sydney Rabbitohs until the back end of the season, realistically, but... Even then, I don't know, 48-point average, played limited minutes in some of these games. When he's playing 80 minutes, scores are decent. They're not great. Um, some 80-minute scores that he got last year, 38, 49, 47, 48, uh, 41. You know what I mean? 37. So there's upside in him, but it can also be a bit of a nightmare. Back end of the season, he had really good base stats heading into finals. Was probably playing for a contract at that point, though. So Jaden Sewer... There's also a lot of mouths to feed at the Dragons. They're playing their little money ball game over there, so I'll be ignoring him and letting him go. Nat Butcher, I don't think he's in the starting team, so I'll be leaving him. Luke Garner, a guy that could land on an edge for the West Tigers. I actually really like Luke Garner. Uh, I didn't like him when I first saw him, but he has grown on me very, very quickly. It runs a great line as well, so there is attacking upside in him. Uh, I think he's just improved year on year on year. If he lands with an 80-minute roll, could be decent, but once again... Base stats are decent. They're like 40 to 50 when he plays 80 minutes, which isn't fantastic. Tigers also aren't a premier team, so you have to take that into consideration. Now that I'm looking at his numbers, I'm a little bit less keen on him than what I was uh, when I first spoke about him. So, yeah, maybe Luke Garner drops down my list. I think I like Luke Garner more as a footballer than a super coach player. Dale Finucane at the Cronulla Sharks. Now, Dalfinukin, I assume he will play in the front row. So I'm expecting him to play 50, 55 minutes. Uh, he was at the Melbourne Storm last year. He averaged 54 minutes and averaged 47 points. I don't see a heap changing. Uh, he scored two tries last year. Maybe he drops down two points or so. I don't know. I don't see him scoring a heap of points, at the, a heap of tries at the Cronulla Sharks. If I had to go overs or unders two, at best I would go even. I can't see him more than can't see him scoring more than two tries this year. He will disappear for the Origin series and whatnot. He is getting older. Uh, he's coming off of you know a big few years with the Melbourne Storm. So for me, I probably leave Dalfinuk and I'll let someone else. Take Take him. Not a bad option, not a great option. Raymond Fitala Mariner. Now, this is a guy very interesting. He's coming in at 411K. So I think he should be a guy that a lot of Supercoach Classic players are looking at, depending on where he lands. Now, whoever lands on that left edge for the Canterbury Bulldogs playing outside Matty Burton, that will be massive. Uh, last year, he only played two games before he got injured. Uh, base stats in the second game, he played 40 minutes, 37 base stats, playing on an edge before he got injured. Before that, he played the middle, so not much to look at. But previous years, he's a guy that's averaged upwards of 70 points. In 2018, he averaged 74. 2020, he averaged 69. They're in a team that hopefully can actually play some attacking footy this year. So Fitella Mariner, watch him in trials. If he, if he lands on any edge, I like him. If he's on the left, I really like him, though. 
Next guy, who have we got? Corey Waddell. Don't think he will be relevant. Bailey Sirenen. Don't think he'll be overly relevant. Bryce Carwright. Don't think he'll be relevant enough. Let someone else fall into that trap. Scotty Sorensen, interesting one here. He's probably only one injury away from being really relevant at the Penrith Panthers. I don't think he'll be a first-choice back row because of Liam Martin. If something happens that he manages to jump him, keep an eye on him. But his base stats are really good. And in games where he played decent minutes last year, he scored pretty well, to be fair. His base stats are great. Uh, he averaged 37 base stats this year, and he only averaged 40 minutes. So he's about a point-per-minute sort of guy. Only scored one try last year. I think he has got more in him as we move forward. But I think he'll be used as a middle off the bench. I don't see those minutes jumping up all that all that much. But he's only one injury away from being pretty relevant. Wade Graham, HIA worries me too much, and I hate to say that. I'm touching wood as I say it, but I think it's too much of a risk, realistically. Eli Katoa, too much of a wild card for me. We don't know what we're getting. Hylam Lukey, this is a kid that I really like. If you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, you will understand how much I like this kid. I've been talking about him for a while. Up with the Cowboys, if he manages to land a 60-plus minute roll on an edge for the Cowboys, I like him. Uh, the back end of last season, he played some decent minutes in a few games. He played 64 minutes against the Titans. Only scored 40 points there, to be fair. But the week after that, 69 and 54 minutes for 52 and 59 points. Scored two tries in the back end of the season, which he will take some confidence from. He's got a try on debut as well. So, Highland Lukey, one to keep an eye on. But once again, the Cowboys look like a bit of a shitstorm to me. So, I'm not overly keen to dive too heavily into their play as much as I like this kid. Proctor, you know what you're getting from the Gold Coast Titans there. And him, Matty Eisenhuth, Tommy Eisenhuth, not overly relevant. Chris Smith at the Panthers, I still think he's pretty far down the pecking order. Liam Knight, you know what you're getting. I think he'll probably get worse without Wayne Bennett, to be honest with you. TC Rabati, this is an interesting one for the Brisbane Broncos. If he manages to land on the right edge, I don't hate him. At uh, 313k, if he starts there, he could be one for classic players to consider. Whether he plays big minutes or not, I don't know. He's probably a sit and watch. I wouldn't be starting with him. Uh, he's also another guy that he's one of six or seven guys that could play on the right edge for the Brisbane Broncos there. So I don't know. But games that he played big minutes last year, he played 74 minutes against the Rabbitohs, 45 base stats, 59 minutes against the Cronulla Sharks, 43 base stats. Uh, finished the back end of the season with two 59-minute games with an average of 37 base stats. So not bad. Not a heap of upside. He's got two tries in one game, and I sort of thought, my God, here we go. This kid's going to brain it. But he didn't quite kick on realistically. So, Rabadi, I don't know, a bit of a punt, but I think there's better out there. Speaking of better, Sifatalakai, uh, 312k. Yes, he's in the shit fight, fighting it out for that right edge spot for the Cronulla Sharks. But I just think Talakai, if he manages to get a spot in a team at some point over the next fucking decade, he could be an absolute gun. He dropped a lot of base stats last year. He dropped a lot of points last year. Very disappointing. He's very quick to get shifted out to the CTWs and doing my very best to talk you out of him. Even when he played center wing last year, though, he's averaging you know, 35 to 40 base stats a game when he plays in the second row for decent minutes. He does score well. Uh, he's no stranger to getting suspended. He's no stranger to getting injured. You don't know if he's going to have a lock spot there. The best case scenario, he locks himself in the right edge. Sean Johnson isn't there. I don't know. Maybe I've just convinced my way out of Sivitalikai. There is upside there, but I don't know. It's a lot. There was a couple of games there last year where he played big minutes. For example, he played on the edge against the Canberra Raiders for 59 minutes. He scored 22. Uh, the next week, he played on the edge for 59 minutes and scored 31. So, you know, this is the sort of guy Sivitalikai is, unfortunately. I think he will have a season where he explodes, and if you've got him that year, you're cheering. Don't know if it's going to be next year, realistically. 
Who else have we got? Tago spoke about him this morning. To Pine spoke about him. Who else is just two RF here? Fletcher Baker. Andrew Davey, really like him out of the Manly Seagulls, coming back from injury. Of course, though, the two second rows of Braindits, Schuster and Olukawatu, so it's going to be tough for him to break in. Sean Bloor at the West Tigers. If Leilua goes early, Sean Bloor could be anything. I've been talking about him for a few years. We haven't quite seen him live up to it just yet, but I don't think it's far away. Jack Goz, he's moved to the Dragons. I don't see him being overly relevant. Even if he gets an 80-minute spot, he needs to score tries to do well. We know this. Who else have we got here? Joe Stimson. Don't think he'll be relevant. Ben Travoyevich, we spoke about him. This is an interesting one. Jack Horworth. Now, he is down at the Melbourne Storm. He will play in the centres or in the second row. He's only available at 2RF. If he manages to land a spot in this Melbourne Storm team, I don't think he will look back. I think he could have really big impact. And if you manage to get him, especially at the back end of the season, he's probably one for your black book. If Melbourne Storm rests a heap of guys at the back end of the season and he plays... Keep an eye on him. He could be a plug-and-play for that week. I'm a big fan of him. We'll talk about him at some point this season. I am confident on it. Harry Rushton is the other one. He's a 2RF from the Canberra Raiders who could jump up at any moment, coming in at 175K. Uh, I don't know if he'll start at the start of the season, but at some point I think we will see him. So him, Trey Mooney's another one from the Canberra Raiders, a name to keep an eye on. Jack Hallworth, Bronson Garlic, a couple of really young guys here at absolute base value that you could see throughout the season for your classic team. But that is your 2RF, guys. I hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. We're going to be going through all the positions over the next few days. These are taking a little bit longer than what I thought they would. But I do want to give you all the detail I possibly can, go through each player, give my initial thoughts. It's going to change when we get to trials. But just to start you thinking about these guys, especially draft players, where you're going to go, what movements you're going to make, skies you're going to target, who are going to be your value guys. I already know a couple of value guys that I will definitely have in my team, as long as my mates aren't listening to this too closely. But it is start to start, time to start thinking about this sort of stuff. Time to keep track of what these guys are doing as far as trials, training, what the coaches are saying, what the physios are saying about injuries or where they could be playing, all this sort of stuff. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 